Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Kai Carlson Wee was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help that. I just had to say that. <laughs> um, he, he received his BA from the University of Minnesota and his MFA from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. His poetry has appeared in Plowshares, Best New Poets, Tri-Quarterly, Gulf Coast, and the Missouri Review, which awarded him the 2013 Editor's Prize. His photography has, isn't this an amazing photo? I got to say, this is awesome. I just love this photo. So did, is this a self-portrait? Yeah, it's a it's a selfie. So imagine someday your selfie will be on the cover of your of your own book. His photography has been featured in Narrative Magazine, and his poetry film "Riding the High Line" has screened at film festivals across the country. A former Wallace Stegner Fellow, he lives in San Francisco and is a lecturer at Stanford University. Please welcome Kai Carlson Wee. All right, um, just got to do the mic check thing here. Everyone hear me okay? Um, lovely crowd, wow. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to kind of read at Skylight. Uh, uh, my girlfriend Catherine and I had one of our first dates here uh, when we started getting together. Um, and we were just browsing the poetry section and uh, kind of finding that we had a similar taste in poetry. Uh, so this is a special place for that reason. She lives near here. Um, also to be sharing this stage with Nick Flynn. Um, Nick has been just one of my favorite writers of all time since I started writing. Um, his his memoir, memoirs, I guess, and uh, his poetry have been a big inspiration. So um, just to share this stage with him is very special. Um, he wrote the foreword to this book, um, and he really didn't know me from Adam when he did that. So. Uh, I owe him a, a deep gratitude of thanks, or a deep um, debt of gratitude. Uh, just <laughs> mixing my words here. Um, but thank you all for coming out tonight and for helping uh, Nick celebrate this new book uh, that I just had the pleasure of reading uh, over the last few days. It's really amazing. Um, I'm going to start this off with the title poem of this book, Rail. Um, if you uh, read some of the blurb stuff on the website, uh, you might have noticed that this book is a lot about traveling, a lot about trains, and uh, this poem sort of sets the book in a landscape, and um, mainly like a psychological landscape, but uh, it's a, a little bit of a snapshot of riding a freight train across the country with my brother. It's called Rail. I find it here in the wild alfalfa, head full of antipsychotics and blue rain. Twenty years old on a freight train riding the soy fields into the night, leaning away from the short grass prairie, the black Mississippi of dream. My brother asleep on the well wall beside me, nodding his head to the sway. What home? are we leaving? What distances blur the electric fence? 
What hundred low thundering wheels of darkness are coming to carry us there? Rain and the singing wind over the auto racks, staring out west at the stars of our gods and the lonely dark stars of our hearts. Boarded up storefronts, burned down apartments, highway signs that only name the dead. We cross the station tracks, the broken legs of Sunday chairs left rusting in the yards. We know the way the story ends. Still, the whistle blows. The flare stacks whip their excess methane candles against the night. The wheels that brought us this far still roll, still churn the polished iron ash. The road goes on. The highway turns a deeper shade of black. And as the sun sinks down on the eastern Montana hills, peppered with horses and gunshot cars, the rails still lead us somewhere else and shine in the falling light. Um, let's see. Um, I'm going to read two more poems and kind of keep this brief. Um, but this is a newer poem. And uh, a lot of this book is about travel and trains, but uh, a, a bigger part of it is about uh, mental health stuff and uh, depression, uh, which I went through for a long period of time in my 20s. I mean, I'm still going through, I guess. You never really get over that kind of thing. Um, but this is a poem sort of specifically about uh, um, the sort of revisionist self-history that happens uh, when you lose your mind and uh, go through that whole process of you know, medication recovery for a long time. So it's uh, called House. It was not like a dream. It was more like pulling my eye out and turning it backward to look at itself, staring out at the rolling world from the other side of death. What might have been nothingness, entropy, God, was only the infinite eye itself, sterile and globular, spinning around in the square of a turned-off TV. My psychiatrist thought it was a bad combination of drugs, Seroquel mixed with hallucinogenics, but I know it wasn't the drugs. It was a quality of wetness you notice in mold, peeling back the mattress in your grandmother's house. Sadness of dogs on the beach in Bolinas, the sudden transcendence of rain, the way a word configures a world in time, alters the rest of the poems you've ever known, traveling back in the fourth dimension to speak to your childhood self, the way the smell of her body becomes you, eternal grass, vetiver, skullcap, rose, the way the neighborhood seems to permanently shift once you notice the light in a midnight house looks vaguely like a face, clownish, obtuse, and it becomes impossible to unsee the open mouths, tall rectangular eyes, the TV somewhere deep inside them shining. 
The future dissolves, but the vision goes on like this, rearranging itself in the past, so that for the rest of your life, every time you travel back home, arriving late on the eastbound departure, exiting the Uber, hauling your bags up the front porch steps, you enter a house in which you are loved and are simultaneously swallowed alive. It's just kind of that, uh, that issue of noticing that when you, you know, the, the houses look like faces. Do you know what I mean? It's just a problem with like my childhood neighborhood now. Um, so I'll read one more poem and then introduce Nick. Um, but this is a this is a love poem, and this is uh, kind of how I started writing poetry was uh, love poems. I would develop these uh, inappropriate crushes in elementary school on people, and um, just was too shy to to tell them that I liked them. So I'd write them a little poem, and uh, sometimes it was effective. Um, Mostly just creepy, but sometimes effective. But this is, I still write love poems, and a lot of this book uh, is sort of a, a kind of love poem. Um, this is one about love after a relationship is, is over, and um, what becomes of, of that, that feeling then. It's called Secret Air. I know no God, no ghost, no code that turns the burning engine back. I know a highway, field, stars above the sleeping corn. The river rolls, the world spins alone. We are not promised love like this. We don't decide what brighter angel comes, what water climbs the banks. It could have been a different year, a better pill, a weird forgotten dream, a song I heard behind the neighbor's door, the barking dog again. But it was you, the only one to make it last, to hold my head like this, to lead me back inside myself, to know, to be, the sadness of a summer horse unbridled on a hill departing ere the farmhouse crumbling in the wind. I could have lived a hundred lives and never known a real kiss. I could have gone without your winter stars, your streetlight tinted breath, but it was you, the one who made the darkness real, the highway blue, the roses hollow thorn. I know we die alone in separate rooms with canceled eyes and some disease inside our hearts. But still, we knew a love like this. We knew. And all the nights I sleep in someone else's arms, the rhythmic dark, the drifty San Francisco nights I wander with the crowd from here to there to somewhere else the Safeway lines and subway lines and traffic streaming west. I return again. I remember you and only you like this. 
your careless grip, your pale eyes beside me in the corn, a sheet of plywood for a bed. It is what is. Among the cricket's song, the muddy river rising up the banks, I meet you there. I turn to hold you in the secret air that only you will know. All right, thank you all. Um, next up, we have Nick Flynn, the one, the only. Um, and other than, rather than giving just a regular introduction, you, you know the awards and, and the publications and stuff. Um, Nick doesn't really know this, but uh, I went to the McDowell Colony um, a few years ago when I was working on this book. And he, he had been a favorite writer of mine for a long time, but I stayed uh, in, this, in this cabin called the Mansfield Cabin, right? You know that one? Um, and on the wall are these, these what are called tombstones. I don't know why they call them that, but they're these, these kind of wooden things that you scrawl your name in when you've stayed in the place. And this goes back to like James Baldwin, like big name writers have been there. But Nick's name was in this cabin, I think at least twice. Um, and I saw that as a sign that I need to like read a lot of Nick Flynn at this point. So I got a bunch of his books. I'd already read them, but um, I was reading a lot of his work and channeling his spirit a little bit when I was working on the final uh, edits of these poems. So um, I don't know if that's an introduction, but I just wanted to tell that little story. Uh, and it's really an honor to be, to be reading with him tonight. So please welcome him. Hi, wow. wow. Hi, everybody. Um, God, that was so great. Uh, yeah, we definitely uh, have a kinship uh, uh, through this. Uh, yeah, it, I, I was asked if I would look at uh, Kai's book. Uh, I'm, I'm doing like our conversation now instead of reading. Uh, I was asked by his girlfriend, by Catherine Pond, who's right here, Catherine Pond, uh, who I knew through uh, other things, the New York uh, Writers Institute stuff, and she was just a great spirit at that really great place. And uh, she'd asked me at one point if I'd look at this manuscript, I think, is how it happened, right? What's that? To, yeah, to write the intro, which is a big deal. Uh, and uh, I was just so taken by the poems. I was really, like, uh, really, really thrilled. I mean, it's one of those things, as, as you know, I'm sure there's a lot of poets in here, but you, you find people that are on your branch of the tree. You know, you find people that are sort of doing, you know, like you know, the who came before, who came after, and that would exist in this realm. Um, it was really moving, and I, I just thought it was really, I, you know, uh, I, I was taken by it. Now, I just, I just gonna keep going with talking about Kai. Uh, I just said, I like the thing in the back I said. Uh, I said, I wrote this. Uh, so this is the beginning of my reading, I guess. I'll just read Kai's, what I wrote for Kai. Uh, rail is timely, but also timeless. It shows us where we've been, but also shows us where we might be going. If I were to put a book on a spaceship to show the aliens what it is like at this moment in America, this would be one of the books I'd choose. Uh, yeah, it's just, it sort of has this sort of thing you don't see, like going through it, this whole world of America going through it that isn't, it's almost invisible, it's right in front of us, but it's almost invisible seemingly to everyone. 
So thank you. Yeah. It's a great honor, too. It's so great to have him here. Like, he came all the way from San Francisco. I mean, I came all the way from Brooklyn, but... <laughs> and his girlfriend's here, too, so... Put that there. Uh, and, yeah, thanks, everybody, for being here, too. I'm so impressed. I didn't expect anyone to come. Somehow. Uh, wow. Okay. So I'm going I'm to read a few poems uh, from this new book, I Will Destroy You. Uh, the cover of it, if you're sitting in the back, it might just say, I will. Uh, I will make it scream, make it burn, maybe it says for you. Uh, but it's, I will destroy you. Uh, the, the image in the cover is uh, my daughter dancing with a giant creature. Uh, this was when she was about seven. Now she's 11. Uh, and uh, the book sort of began with that, with her being at this age. And actually, maybe began with this day, going and doing this photo shoot with my daughter. Uh, and her asking me stories about what it was like when I was seven, and uh, me started to tell her things about that, which I had absolutely no memory of, actually. I didn't, I didn't make stuff up, but I had to sort of, sort of you know, find like one memory and realize it would expand into other things. So some of that's in here, some of that's in here, and then some other stuff. Um, so I'll just read a few of these. And also the, the, that mental health stuff that you know, you were reading about, that Kai was reading about. Uh, you know, mental health is, I think, for all of us on a continuum. Like, we're all, no one's either, like, all, all sane or all crazy. You know, we all sort of wake up uh, depending where we are that day on it. So this is one of my, uh, you know, where the, the dial is turned to the left. Confessional. I admit you haven't heard from me in a while. In me... There's a little liar, and a little thief, and a little whore. Forgive me, or writing these words, I was lost in a trance. The sky, wild blue, fruit trees, jeweled with ice. If not for what I'd promised, I wouldn't be here at all. You were with me when I found that box in the basement. Opening it was like entering a room and having, at last, someone else breathe for me. No one, as you know, sets out to lose their mind. This poem began as a secret, not from you. I didn't know you then. Now it wears its shame like a halo. Please take it, rip it up, put it in your glass. We can watch it dissolve. Um, that poem's a, a cento also, uh, and those of you uh, I'm sure you all, since you're out of poetry and you all know what a cento is, um, but I'll just say it anyway in case there's one person that doesn't. Uh, I, I'm just saying that. I'm sure most of you don't know what a cento is. Uh, it's a form where you take other lines from other people and put it together. You sort of cobble a poem out of other lines. So those are all students I teach down at the University of Houston, these really brilliant students. Uh, Catherine was supposed to come, but she bailed and, and came to L.A. instead of Houston for some reason. Um, so uh, when I teach, we, uh, this semester, my brilliant grad students, we'd all written these poems, and we all just put them together and sort of cut up lines and made other poems out of them. So I, I take no credit for that poem. This is Balcony. Balcony. The radio claims the secret is simple. It's to always want to know what comes next and to let that want pull you back from the ledge again and again. I have a friend who, the years he was drinking, would 
every night stack all the furniture in his living room in front of his sliding glass door, which led out to his fifth floor balcony. He knew that once he'd had his first drink, not right away, but eventually, soon, he'd black out and he worried he'd try to fly again. Couch, table, chair, bookcase. For years, he dragged his furniture, every night as the sun went away. And in the morning, he put it all back in place, never considering not once that maybe he should stop. The one promise I can make is that I'm staying, even though what knocks on our door at night has at its heart only my getting lost, even though some part of it wants me dead, which is why I feed it with a stick. You've already met it, but it didn't show you all its teeth. It knew it had to lull you in. It knew you were skittery. It let you feed it by hand. It let you put a finger in its mouth, into its good, good mouth. It didn't bite down, not hard, not then, not yet. Um, I'm going to read these sort of three little poems. I've written... All these poems have been written with a, uh, a band. I have a band uh, since the last book of poems came out like five years ago. And this one, I've been working with a band, uh, which has been really fun. Uh, and all the poems have been revised with the band. And so this is one, these three sort of somehow have ended up being clumped together when we perform them. So I'm going to read these. These are sort of also sort of tie into the childhood stuff. What am I doing? There we go. It's called Parrot. Parrot. Stranger, uninvited, you come up to us on the sidewalk, my daughter's hand in mine. You look at her and coo. It goes so fast. What stranger is this unnamed it? This day? Her life? Our happiness? Stranger, maybe you missed it, but just now my daughter and I hurled rocks into the emptiness and recreated more emptiness. This is a poem called Killdeer, uh, and it's the name of the band is also Killdeer. <clears throat> Killdeer. You know how it pretends to have a broken wing to lure predators away from its nest? How it staggers just out of reach? If at this moment you're feeling metaphorical Nest can be the whatever inside us that we think needs protection. The whatever that is small and hasn't yet found its way. Like us, it has lived so long on scraps, on what others have left behind. It thinks it could live on air, on words, forever almost. It thinks it would be better to let the predator kill it than to turn its back on that child again, forgetting that one lives inside the other. This is called Poem to be Whispered by the Bedside of a Sleeping Child. <clears throat> it's a title I got from the, the artist Tim Eccles. Uh, I, I borrowed it from him. Poem to be Whispered by the Bedside of a Sleeping Child. Here's the deal. If you die, then I will be able to drink again. And no one alive will even blame me. This child is the dark wind inside, but not the darkest. Then I think, 
I'll have another child, a backup, in another city, with another woman, just in case. Then I think, I'll call this poem to be whispered by the bedside of a sleeping child, so when you're older, you'll understand. Then I think, this isn't even a poem. I always worry about the people that laugh after that poem. I worry for you. Uh, let's see what there's a. I feel a little corny. Like I, I, I think I might read two more poems, and one of them's uh, uh, since we're in L.A. It, it has a movie in it, so I figured you guys would understand. I need some water. Does anyone else need water? Um, Everyone looks vaguely familiar in this room. <laughs> so if you are, if we know each other, just please come up and introduce yourselves. Um, I just keep looking at them like, I do know you, right? Uh, what are you doing here? No, wait, you? Oh, you too. And you. No, I, I was looking at you. Yeah. No, well, behind you, right behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa, right? Is it? Yeah. What, Liana. Okay, that's it. Yes, Liana. Yes. I know you, though. Yeah, yeah. See, like I said. Okay, I'll read, this is the title poem. This is I Will Destroy You. <clears throat> like laying a palm on the door of a furnace to test if it's still alive, I invite you up to my hotel room. Let's think of you as someone I'd meet in a dream a representation of my own vast recklessness. You're the age my mother was when she set our house on fire. I'm still, I'm asleep upstairs. I cannot call it accidental. This vast recklessness. My therapist points out that 15 minutes of movie violence releases as many opiates into the body as if being prepped for major surgery. For people like us, it is somehow calming. Tonight, it's Terminator 2 again. Let's go back to the scene where the liquid metal assassin assumes the form of a security guard. Or in the mental hospital where mom is locked up. As the real guard gets a coffee from a vending machine, the liquid metal guy, disguised now as the linoleum floor, rises up behind him and slowly takes on his features, even the uniform. And when he turns and faces himself, he raises a finger to his own face, as if to point out that they're the same. But the finger turns into a blade, and he pushes it right into and through his own eye. And then he goes looking for mom. Uh, and I'll read one more, and then we'll have a conversation. Uh, I think I'll read this one. It's called The King of Fire. King of Fire. My first night without you, my wings fold back in in themselves. All those birds inside are released by your hands. Now I trace my fingers along my collarbone, trying to find where they live. I keep touching my scar. It feels like swallowing night, like flyers for a lost boy. What if it's true? Our bodies are not our own, but only become manifest, 
like this poem when activated by another's touch? What if the thing activated is outlined roughly by the word body? This morning, my daughter stood before me naked and said her body was not her own. She's been sick for two days. Smiling, she seemed to like it, the feeling, that floating above. I worry it's a setup, a manifestation of the addict I've passed on through the blood, my talent for slipping into the bigger thing, a craving for it. Oh, to live without thoughts, no rats in our shoulders, only birds, and the willingness to let someone inside. What if these things we call our bodies are not singular or contained? What if they finally become irrelevant? After so much time trying to be grounded, to land on this earth, so strange to imagine we might simply pass by ourselves for a moment, en route to somewhere else. What's on the other side? A nap? A parade? It works. Matchbox sparks, lightning bugs. I'm completely inside that boy who feels like he's inside me. And this, I want to know everything about the parade. Thanks. I'm now going to call Kai back up, and we're going to have a little talk in front of you as if we're just talking and you're not here. Just hanging. And then we're going to say, oh, you're here. So if you have questions, you can, you'll ask them too, but we can just jump in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read. I, you, I, I just realized I'm looking over at Noel now, and he had made a request, and I didn't read it. But I'll, I'll read it maybe to you separately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible poem you asked for. Oh, so how do we start? I don't know. I was oh. trying to... Do you want to... I could just read my wanna... intro to your book or something. Okay, or... yeah, we could just do yeah. that. Uh, Hang out. So, uh, so let's think. You're a, a book about traveling across the country. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I hate to say about. It's about anything because it has all these other things in it that happen. Uh, right. Uh, like you said, like you, had, you brought in the, the, you know, the struggle with mental... With, with, uh, with the mind in it. You brought in... <laughs> you brought <laughs> hey Paul. Uh, you brought in the, uh, the yeah that stuff the the relationship stuff that, that's strange and, and there's all sorts of like um, these these things get repeated. It's a, it's a real closed image system. The book of poems yeah, like yeah. it has these um, you know the trains and the rails and the like skateboard parks. These like locations of America and overdoses and mm -hmm. you know this sort of darkness coming down and but it's a it's a really beautiful book though too. So yeah. There, there's a question. Is that a question? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think that uh, that thematic weaving, you know, that um, I guess yeah. I'm trying to do in some poems um, in that book, like poem to poem to poem, you do a lot of too. And in, in this book, um, you've got the fire, the sparks, the horses become a theme. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, when I set out to, to try to write this book, um, I wanted to write uh, kind of, hero's quest um I, I wanted to use that journey structure and you know I, I tinker with it and mess with it um and make it my own in some way but um I, I built the book kind of around that that basic foundation and I think we both have a, a tendency to want to play with narrative in that way and play with the idea of of narrative and theme yeah um so also not a question but uh, yeah you just brought the hero's quest. It's so funny. Mm. I just in my therapy this week, uh, uh, which I think I did by phone from here. I did yesterday. 
and uh, like he brought up this thing. He was really down on that hero thing. He was like, he's like, yeah, that's the Joseph Campbell right, it's not thing. cool right now. Yeah, and he was like, well, I don't know right now, I think, because he's, he's not like that topical, my therapist. But uh, he, like, uh, he said, like, Jung would, like, fight with Campbell's idea about that. And Jung would, and I, but I'm sorry, I can't remember what it is. Like, I, that's the second I've heard hero in the last, you know, two days. And so now suddenly, like, yeah, I should look at that. Well, I think, yeah. I, I don't know if this is what they were fighting about, but I think Campbell kind of prioritized the idea that the, the hero's quest should be about a hero and there should be some big victory won at the end. And I think Jung was more into the, uh, the failure being an integral part of the narrative. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I had gone through this kind of mental health stuff and many years of depression, uh, and I knew that I wanted that to factor into the book. Um, but I think that I, I leaned in that direction um, because of that idea of, of failure being integral to our development and transformation yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it is more like the Jung is more interested in the wound and the exactly. and, and sort of, and not like as transcending that but actually like inhabiting it and sort of like allowing it to be part of your life. So right. which I think you do too. Like that's when you said hero's journey, I wouldn't have thought of that actually in your book as a hero's journey, but uh right. more of like cuz it's so like it's it's kind of fucked. There's like, a lot of wounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in this way, that's like it's so like it, the tension of it, like the beauty of the like the, you know, the descriptions and the sort of repeated places and stuff. And then there's this, this there's this sort of American, very very American despair. It's a very American book. Yeah, it feels like very Steinbeck and very like like this. You can sort of see echoes of like this timelessness going through it. Well, one thing yeah. that Nick mentions in the in the foreword to that book is about the kind of placelessness, the nowhere. Um, ness of of America in some way and I think that I was I was wanting to write about that and capture that in some way um as a reaction to kind of deep image poetry and what they did with place and they kind of prioritized like these locales and these landscapes uh but I wanted to kind of make it more of a psychological place that moves um from one place to the next one geographical place to the next but maintains this development of the psyche um, and so I don't know. Yeah, that yeah. was what I was. Well, I, I, I just saw like this kinship too. You also had this thing about going back, like the first poem you read, like or the second poem you read about going back and having like the sort of like the child within yourself, like sort of like looking at a, at someone, or maybe it's looking at someone else with a child in them or something, right? You had that that idea of like we're sort of the time, the, the relationship yeah. to time, that we're here at this moment, but there's also these the fourth other dimension. selves that sort of yeah, yeah that, that keep sort of appearing. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I have a question. Okay, oh, there you go. Um, yeah. So just uh, thinking about sort of confessionalism, right, and in contemporary poetry, do you, do you consider yourself a confessionalist, or how do you navigate that title? Because um, you've written memoir, uh, and in the poems, there, there are some things that crop up from the memoir that, mm -hmm. you know, kind of feed through. And it's all kind of woven. Um, how do you navigate that, and do you consider yourself that? I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind the term. Uh, you know, I'm not like, uh, but I, I, you know, I, th I think there's also there's there's, there's there's moments in the poems, and like almost every poem that sort of like veer into like the pure like imaginative realm. Also, like there's things that are, uh, you know, that are you could point to and say there's a, some biographical fact to it, but uh, there's, there's usually like a moment that just sort of comes in, which is why I love writing poetry. And prose, like you don't, 
I mean, I, I do that in prose too, but I have to always signal the reader like, and now I'm just going to speculate wildly mm. and, and, you know, just, you know, this isn't real, what I'm about to say. Whereas in poetry, you get to just move in and out of it very quickly and sort of like, it's, it's, it's about like destabilizing, uh, you know, if, if the, 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 the feeling state that you're trying to write about has, is, is unstable, it allows you to sort of like, by, by moving through those different realms, it allows that to sort of maybe uh, expand out from it, from the poem itself. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't care really what anyone calls me, really. They call me a confessional poet or a, uh, uh, I don't know what else they would call me, a uh, surrealist, uh, a uh, uh, narrative. I've written, I write narratively sometimes, but mm -hmm. listening to yours compared to mine, to this book, yours are much, feel much more narrative in, mm -hmm. in your book compared to mine. I sort of listen to it, oh, well, he has like nice stories in his. And mine are just sort of like sort of more fractured like at this moment. Just sort of little glimpses. There's sort of little glimpses that come up now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure where mine take place. Like yours take place in no place, but there are places. Yeah, yeah. Where mine are like, where they're just sort of floating around in my, in this other ether or something right now. Right. I don't know why that is. I'm trying to get more grounded, yet there's no place now. Some ether. Some ether. Some ether. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to get grounded from that though. But it's not working though. But in, in the prose, though, that's where a lot of things, like that I get to write prose allows me to sort of like have this other, th this freedom in the poetry. Like I don't have to like sort of put everything in the poems. I can, they can really be free to be transformative and to move around a lot. Whereas in the prose, you sort of, you know, I have a companion book to this one that's going to come out next year uh, that, you know, you said there's fires in this. It, it really focuses on that fire that mm -hmm. uh, uh, when I was a kid, our house, our house you know, was uh, caught fire, set on fire. And uh, it, it's really located in the town I was in, so you really get a sense of the town, you get a sense of the place, uh, you know, much more so than this book does. Yeah. Uh, so I get to sort of like, that's what seems what prose does. Yeah. That's why, the, that's, if you ask for the difference, like that's a difference. It's like more grounded in time and place, I think. And it, it sells better. Uh, well, not always, yeah, yeah. I hate to say, like you hope it does. Yeah. You say that and then it totally doesn't. So, yeah. and then you're like, oh, it's supposed to sell better. Wow, my poem sold better than my prose book. Hmm. Uh, weird. Um, should we open up to the audience? Yeah, do you have another question? Do you have another question, or we could open up? Anyone have any questions in the audience? All you, yeah. What are you guys working on right now? Hmm. Um, well, I'm kind of in this weird limbo state after my first book of poetry has come out, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's kind of like you, you start back, you think like you're going to progress to this level and the next book will be a lot easier and the next project will be a lot easier and I've found that it's just not that way. And so I'm kind of, I feel like I'm starting over again, uh, which is exciting and kind of scary, but I also am working on um, film projects. Uh, I make, uh, do kind of poetry video stuff, working on those. I. Uh, I've been trying to take more photos lately just because, like, I I get bored with writing poetry. Um, and uh, I don't know. So we'll see. I'm, I'm trying to do some, like, multimedia stuff. But the poems just come when they come. And um, I th I'm hoping that over time I'll get another book. But you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know. Um, and I'll yeah. just answer yours, and then we'll go to uh, Marie at the back. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not doing anything, actually. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sort of like, I, I really enjoy these days, like, not writing, uh, and like, just sort of really stepping, like, far away from writing. Uh, and I, I, I go into it very deeply in moments, like in these certain workshops I teach, which some people have been at. Uh, I will go deeply into the writing at that moment, and then I'll sort of like, because uh, I find like I've been you know doing this for a while now, and I find like I, I, it, to me it starts to feel a little like sort of a, a mental illness uh, writing. Uh, it feels like you're sort of always sort of like sort of trying to transform your experience into language. Feels like it's, at a certain point, like maybe you just get to be a certain age. You're like, why the hell am I doing this? Like, what does this mean? Like, what is this is is this really being alive? Uh, so now I really very strongly don't write when I'm not writing. And right now I just you know, I have a book just it's came out, so I'm not really thinking about it. And in the midst of that, writing happens, but it's not like I don't walk around with it in my mind all the time, which I used to do sort of obsessively. Mm in order to like probably not think of other things that were sort of harder to think of. And, uh, and now, like, so now I have to think of harder things. Like, and also good things too. Yeah, in the back there. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, bands are so fun. I don't know how many people are musicians or work with bands in here, but I'm sure there's some number of you. Um, and it's like, I'm just amazed at musicians because they can just get together and just like start making things like sort of immediately, just tell each other, okay, this is G. And everyone sort of knows what that means. And they start like doing something. And uh, so I had this friend who for years he had come up to me, he was a musician, and he would come and say, hey, we should do something together. And I, could, I never got it, really, because I really like him. He's a dear friend, but like, I didn't see the, where the tension was, because he's sort of a, a loud Irish guy, and I'm like, this is another Irish guy. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds, where would the tension be? And then he came with this other friend of his, who was just like this woman who plays violin, and I'm like, oh, that, okay, that's a little different, you know? So we started, we did something together, and it sounded kind of good, and then I'd been doing something with a, this composer, uh, for like 12 years, but his thing was always big stage productions, like there'd be 20 people on stage, live orchestration and stuff, with my text, my librettos. And um, I just asked if he, if he and I could just do something together once we did that, like one-on-one, -on -one. and then we all came together. So he's sort of like this Eno guy, and they're like these punk folk people, and I'm reading poems, and I, I think it's fun. I mean, I think it's really good, and we rehearse, and we do stuff, but it also like, it, it, it creates this rhythm like within the poems, you know, all, all language has a certain rhythm to it, but it really sort of like thinks about where you're gonna, you know, it was just really part of the revision process to like break it down and what was working when you're, when it's part of a song, it was just, it's just very different, it's a very different process for me. So like there's, there's this music that you won't hear when you open the book, when you read it, it might sort of feel wonky in a way, but it's like this music that's invisible now in the book. I, I thought it was great, but I, you know, probably the next book I won't do that. But like for this book, that's what it was, so. Yeah, it was a very special moment, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I will destroy you, poem? Um, I don't know if anyone has actually directly asked me. <laughs> so uh, let me see here. Page uh, 22, yeah. Uh, what do I say about it? It's, it's um, well, one thing I could say is my, uh, the last book that I wrote, uh, you know, like five, came out five years ago, it's called My Feelings, and, you know, which is kind of a, a gentle title. So I felt I had to amp it up a little, uh, you know, 
create the other side of it. You know, my feelings, I will destroy you. Um, so uh, it, it like my, I, I, had, I had the title for the poem, for the book, it just sort of, it seemed to work for me. It seemed to work on this level. And, and also the I is like, the I and the you are sort of indeterminate uh, for me. Uh, it's like, it's, it shifts. So you can see in that poem, it ends up being the, the uh, you know, the, the two in, the, in, in uh, Terminator 2, the, you know, the, 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 the I is the same person looking at themselves and then destroying themselves. And so there's, there's a certain, there's a, there's a thread of addiction that goes to the book and self-destruction. Uh, there's... Um, there's also this sort of recklessness that goes to the book. Uh, and so I, I, I had come up with the title of the book and then, um, but I hadn't, I didn't have a title poem for it. And my, my editor at, at Grey Wolf, uh, I did that for my feelings also. I, I had the title of my feelings for that book and I didn't have a poem for it. And ended up, the poem came later. I don't know what that is. It's like a, it's a thing. Like I sort of know that it sounds like the right thing to me and it's sort of, I, it gives me a certain amount of, uh, uh, cringy pleasure, um, so I think it's kind of wrong and kind of not good. And then, but I think, okay, that's there's energy to it. And then I wrote the poem. And then I went and saw Terminator Two with a friend, and I was like, oh, that's what the poem book's about. That's why I called it that. It sort of <laughs> came together like, oh, that's it. That scene there is. So that's. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Man. Now, it's nice to have a, like another therapy session up here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I hadn't, I missed a lot of that. I mean, that's the thing when you write a poem. Like I missed a lot of the the, the things you were seeing in it are not conscious, not on a conscious level for I think for poets, like we're, or for any artist. Like you sort of create it; it feels right in a certain way. But I don't want to like, or I'm, I'm probably not even able to actually go deeply into figure out why exactly those things go together and seem to work. Except uh, th there is that cringy joy to it, like sort of like, ooh, that's that's creepy, in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet, the the whole arson thing is like, you know, the title of the book that's coming out next year is uh, "This is the night our house will catch fire." It, it really goes deeply into that, but it's still, it never gets to the end of it though. Like, there's never any sort of like, oh, this is the final answer to that question. So, yeah, other, yeah, Billy. Yeah. 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 The, the, these ones were really written, like really about like since the last book came out. I kind of had like um, uh, I don't know. What do you call you call it? What do you call it? Like a mental breakdown or something? What do you call your thing? I don't even know what it what yeah. happened. Like you yeah. know, yeah, a mental. Some kind of, of some yeah, some sort. kind of mental breakdown. Yeah, exactly. What, what's that? Lost my shit. 
Yeah, lost my shit. Yeah, I, had, I sort of, I went through a rough patch, and uh, and, I, and that was when I really decided, like, I, I really questioned, like, why I was writing, and, and so I stopped. I'm like, I'm just not going to write, and so the poems came up, and it sort of came from that probably, like, you know, psychologists probably know, too, this, like, sort of inner, you know, this tension builds up, and so they come out in these real bursts, like, maybe, like, a week burst or two-week burst, and I'd sort of go away from it again and say, oh, I'm done with that, and then they would come out again. What's that? Yeah. Well, and then they get edited over. I mean, editing seems like a different, it's not as much of a psychic, uh, you know, landmine editing, because you're already sort of, you know, the thing's in front of you now. It's sort of out of you and in front of you, at least for me. And so the editing is, is sort of joyful in a way. It's not the same deep psychic plumbing. Uh, it's sort of like, then you're sort of painting, you know, painting the room or puttying the wall or something. I don't know, whatever the metaphor is, yeah. <laughs> After it comes up, there's plumbing and there's painting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I want to hold this up. This is a. Uh, this thing is. Uh, this is one of the poems in the book called Icarus, and uh, it's a. Uh, th this is two people in the room here, uh, Kevin and Crystal, right? Yeah. Kevin and Crystal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they they do this thing called every other series, and they they asked me if they would send them a poem. I sent them a poem called Icarus, and they made this beautiful uh, thing out of it. Cool which is really nice, which I was so happy for. Um, so I just thought I'd say that, yeah, that's all. There they are, you can talk to them after, yeah, yeah. I didn't read this poem, it's, it's a long poem as you can see, it's in many parts, so I didn't read it. It says, yeah, they had to get a big piece of paper for it, yeah, yeah. I just showed this thing, they showed this thing on, uh, on, on Instagram or something, or something It showed like uh, uh, trying to figure out the Trump's impeachable defenses and it sort of showed, uh, uh, Buster Keaton like opening a newspaper and it kept getting bigger and bigger until it like covered him and he blew away with it so it's kind of like that yeah. <laughs> uh, one more question let's do one more question and then we'll like yeah anyone or no more questions maybe there's no more okay sure going once going twice clipping poems Oh yeah, lines, taking lines from poems, yeah, 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 because yeah. we've worked together, Marie Elizabeth and I have worked together, yeah. Yeah, the whole, the last, like, these, this book and the book that's coming out next year, that it was all done with this sort of very strange process that some people have studied with me uh, in these sort of week, five-day workshops have gone through this sort of, like, really uh, exhausting, psychically difficult process uh, that where you you generate a lot of work and then you sort of take it and sort of divide it all up and try to create like this sort of long associative narrative out of it. And mm. Yeah, so uh, some of the poems came from that process definitely in this too, yeah. Some came from this sort of like just writing this sort of burst of time and some came from that process, yeah. Yeah. All right, well thank you everybody. Uh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Kai. Yeah. Kai. Nick. Kai. Yeah. <laughs> thank you both for coming. We're so happy that they're available at the register. We'd love it if you bought the books first before you got them signed. I will move all the stuff out of the way, bring out a table where they can sign behind. We're going to ask that you actually line up um, to my right against a young adult graphic novel. And always to remember, if you are a, if you are a, uh, a member of the store, a friend who would benefit, as we call it, um, you always get priority in the signing line. So thank you huh. very much for coming. Wow. <laughs> 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 Who determines that? <laughs> they, just, they just know.
You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.